Calgary Ward 3 2021 virtual debate. While this debate is being held virtually via Zoom and via YouTube, we would like to acknowledge that we are on the traditional lands of the Treaty 7 territories and also three of the Métis Nations of Alberta. Participating Ward 3 candidates will square off in a debate about the issues posed by you, the residents of Calgary. Good evening, and my name is Christopher Brown, the host of the Cross Border Interview Podcast, and tonight I will be playing moderator. Prior to tonight's debate, we reached out to all candidates running for Ward 3 Councillor. All candidates were given the same information and given the same details about tonight's debate. Participating candidates in today's debate are as followed in alphabetical order by last name. Hamayu Akbar, Ian McAnaran, Jasmine Mian, Gerber Najir, Nate Pike, and Brent Trenholm. Due to family commitments, Kumar Shamar had to withdraw from tonight's debate. The candidates have agreed to tonight's debate rules, and I will try my best to ensure that they stay on time and on schedule. Over the last few weeks, we have had over 158 submissions alone for tonight's debate. The candidates were not given the debate questions, but they were given the topics. Those topics include COVID-19 and the natural resource sector recovery, trains and public transportation. Now, this is a question that is in three parts, and it is about the Green Line, Calgary to Banff Rail, and the Calgary Airport to the downtown train. We had 40 questions about this alone, so we are using a hybrid question, as if you've watched in previous debates, a hybrid question will be posed to the candidates on these topics. Neighborhood safety, volunteerism, diversification of our economy, and youth engagement and retention. Now, for those who are watching via Zoom, I will be bringing, or via YouTube, I apologize, I will be bringing in the candidates now. Here they are, all six of the eight that are running. So candidates, you can wave now if you wish to the people who are watching. Each candidate will have a one minute opening statement and this will be going in alphabetical order by last name. So Hamayu, you have one minute whenever you are ready. Hello everyone. Uh, my name is Umayu Akbar. Uh, as all of you guys know, I'm. I'm running, as you guys are running from the Ward 3. Uh, I have a master's degree in international business management and MBA in information technology. Uh, I'm married, living in Calgary and living in the Ward 3, like Hidden Valley. Uh, the main reason for running for the, like, you know, that this all council office is to, like, you know, I believe in politics and, like, you know, I think that we have, we is our moral duty, like if you are running as a councillor or if you are like uh, as a voter, like, you know, to make the difference and make our voice heard. So that's all I need to say. Like, you know, the most of the most of the other things when the people uh, like, you know, post their question and then we will answer their questions. Thank you very much for your time. I'm OK. I'm done. Thank you so much. Next, we will have Ian. Ian, a minute to yourself whenever you're ready. Hi, I'm Ian McCanner. I've lived here in Ward 3 with my wife, Leah, and three children for 27 years. I'm a moderate who leans fiscally responsible and socially progressive. I'm also a fact-based decision maker, and I'm not supported by any third-party advertiser or other organization. 
I have a degree in law and 24 years of experience as business owner, executive, and board member, and 38 years of experience volunteering nonprofits, four years which were spent at the board or president level. I have a long history of serving the community because it's my calling, not because of a paycheck. My three priorities can be summed up as make Ward 3 matter, which includes fixing our transit problems, building badly needed amenities, and making our streets safer. Pandemic and economic recovery, which is reducing taxes and fees, creating jobs, supporting those in need, and building a better city, which means spending our taxes wisely, creating a business-friendly administration, and ending the toxic work environment at City Council. I hope that you'll support me, Ian McCannon, as your next councillor. Thank you so much, Ian. Next, Jasmine, minute to yourself whenever you're ready. Well, thanks, Chris. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I think that this is the most important city election that we are gonna have in a generation. I think Calgary's at a very critical crossroads right now. We've been dealt a bad hand in terms of the economic downturn and the pandemic, but I still believe that Calgary's best days are ahead of us. And when you go to the ballot box on October 18th or this week, if you're advanced polling, you are going to be selecting a team, 14 councillors and a mayor that will help bring us into that next chapter. And I think it's so important that this team is a group of people who can collaborate, who can make evidence-based decisions, avoid partisanship and help us move forward. Personally, I live in McEwen with my husband for the last 10 years. I've worked in both the public and private sector. I'm an Olympian and I have a master's degree focused on municipal policy. I'm also a proud dog mom to the dopiest boxer, Dennis, and I'll commit my full self to getting the best for Ward 3 and our city. So I'll throw it back to you, Chris. Looking forward to tonight's conversation. Thank you so much. Gabir, minute to yourself whenever you are ready. Can you hear me, Chris? Okay. Certainly can. Good. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Oh, can you hear me? Oh, good. Okay. Thank you. Well, everyone, my name is Gabir Nidger, and I'm a parent, husband, a professional engineer, a municipal manager at Rocky View County, and a resident of Ward 3 in the community of Panorama Hills. You know, our city's at a critical juncture, and we really need the right people to step up now more than ever to lead us forward. We need people with the right background, the right experience and the right skills, but more importantly, people who have the ability to the ability to build relationships and, and, and influence others uh, in making good decisions. Those are the reasons why I'm running for Ward 3 Councillor in this upcoming civic election. Thank you. Thank you. Nate, minute to yourself whenever you are ready. Thank you, sir. So my name is Nate Pike. Uh, I'm a husband. I'm a father. I'm a paramedic. I'm a community volunteer, uh, and I try to be an advocate for a variety of different causes. I agree with Jasmine that we are absolutely at a crossroads, and I agree that this is probably one of the most important elections in, in living memory. And I think there's there's a lot of different reasons for that. We're dealing with an economic recovery. We're dealing with COVID. And fundamentally, what it comes down to is we need to make sure that going into the next four years, we have people at council who are conducting themselves with integrity, who are conducting themselves with transparency. One of the things that always gets asked in any given election is what is the election question? And the fundamental election question that I believe that people need to be asking and they need to be scrutinizing candidates when they're asking this question is simply what kind of representation do you believe that you deserve? And I'm looking forward to talking about all the issues tonight. And Brent, minute to yourself whenever you are ready. 
Well, my name's Brent Trenholm, and like everyone else, well, not everyone, Jasmine, but I'm a father, and uh, I'm married to a school principal, so she teaches me every day, and I'm a grandparent as well. I entered this race about a year and a half ago because I was tired of tax and spend counselors and and just not being very forthright, we'll say, and uh, using their that position to get better gains. And I believe what this election is all about is people that are able to do this job. And it takes experience to do this job. You know, I, I'm a millwright. I worked in the trenches for years. And I ran multi-million dollar businesses, making million dollar decisions very often. And I make better decisions in my management career because I always involve other people. And collaborations is how I do it. And it's the only way we can go. You know, everyone's going to talk about uh, that, and then I'm going to leave. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, for those who aren't watching, I was just waving the out of time. I'm going to try to stick everyone to the time limit that we have. Uh, but we are going to talk about the questions now, because that's why you are here to answer the questions that were posed by the people of Calgary. Each candidate will have one minute and 30 seconds to respond to the question. And then after all candidates have given their one minute and 30 seconds, a 30 seconds rebuttal, if candidates wish, they do not have to, but if they wish, they can have 30 seconds to respond to another candidate or follow up with what they were saying. Questions will be in alphabetical order, but this time starting with the second person in alphabetical order. So this will be posed to Ian first. Ian, this question is about COVID-19 and natural resource sector recovery. This question was posed from Robert. Robert wants to know, or Robert's question was, Calgary has seen a downturn in its economy because of the oil and gas sector and now the pandemic. Can you tell me how your background can help the city and us as residents of Ward 3 navigate the recovery from both of these economic downturns? Minute and 30 seconds to yourself, Ian, whenever you are ready. Sure. Uh, well, my background is uh, I have a degree in law and I have a lot of experience running uh, large corporations, um, making well, one of them was a Fortune 50 company that I was senior management in. And uh, I'm able to basically pull things together. And the part that really the city needs is to um, focus on how it does things, the processes, the ways that, that it gets the job done, its checklists and the things it's looking for. And one of the things that I'm really good at is putting together that kind of a, a plan and making sure that everybody's on board, everybody's using the same rules and that the rules are fair and clear and transparent. Um, I think that I have a lot of experience with that, a huge number of years, both as in the private sector and the public sector. Um, and, you know, a city does not run the same way that a small business or a home does. It, it really is different. It's closer to a nonprofit than a for-profit company. Um, and I think that the combination of the long experience that I have, plus my legal background, plus my um, uh, just in, in inherent in, inclination towards fixing things would make me an excellent candidate for this. Thank you, Ian. Minute and 30 seconds to Jasmine, whenever you're ready. Thanks, Chris. And uh, thanks to Robert for the question. It's a very good one. 
So my background, I've, I've sat on numerous boards and, and one very specifically a, a national organization that went through a major organizational change where we had to rethink how we how we did everything. Um, and uh, I, I've, I've been uh, an athlete for a long time and adversity is kind of the name of the game in, in that. Um, and uh, wrestling, for example, in the administrative capacity was taken out of the Olympic Games and there was a large movement towards getting that uh, back in and, and also to work to make that the sport a lot safer. So I've been very involved in those kinds of conversations. Uh, I also have the background in municipal policy that I think is, is required to do this job. Um, the Municipal Government Act, understanding how that works, what we can and cannot do, and finding ways to be innovative within that is, is really important. I also think we need to be making data-driven decisions. And so one of the great things that, that COVID-19 ha has done is, is made us really reflect on, on what we're doing and how we can do it better. And, uh, you know, it's exposed aspects of our system that I think that we can work towards changing. Um, one good example of that is uh, we have better real-time transit use data than we used to have. I've, I've heard Mayor Nenshi speak about that and how that's going to allow us to have more responsive service. So I think it's about taking everything that we've learned throughout the pandemic, seeing all the gaps, and then actually working together with uh, my fellow councillor colleagues to address it. Thank you. Kabir? minute and 30 seconds. Before you do start your beer, I do want to say if you want me to repeat the question prior to your uh, answer, I am willing to do that. It will not be included in your minute and 30 seconds. So if you want the question repeated, please ask, but minute and 30 seconds to yourself, Kabir, whenever you're ready. If you don't want to repeat it, Chris, that'd be great. <laughs> no worries. This I'll, question I'll is make from... you talk more, man. <laughs> no worries. This question is from Robert. Calgary has seen a downturn in its economy because of the oil and gas sector and now the pandemic. Can you tell me how your background can help the city and us as residents of Ward 3 navigate the recovery from both of these economic downturns? Beauty. Well, I used to work in the sector. So I moved to Calgary in 2011 and I came here ready for two things. Um, was a lot love and opportunity. And that opportunity was in the energy sector. Where I worked downtown Calgary. I used to fly and fly and fly out Fort McMurray. So I've seen the operations and things that happen up there and how important they are in Alberta's economy. I've also been laid off in that sector and understand how hard that can be as well on our economy and luckily landed in a role in municipal government at Rocky View County. We have to really understand as Calgarians to what really we have bearing on our oil and gas sector. Our sector is really controlled by international investment and energy and, and prices of oil uh, internationally. So what we, what, can, what we can do as a city is this. We have to make our processes more efficient and we cannot let our processes or our inefficiencies or our bureaucracy get in the way of getting things done. We need to be more resident and business friendly. And that's really what we did, what I have done at Rocky View County, my role as, as a manager of planning and development, my role as a manager of, of engineering services, my role of manager of planning and uh, sorry, of uh, recreation parks and community support. We really have to do a better job of also promoting Calgary at an international level and continuing to build a safe, desirable, and investable city for, for residents, but also for our business community. Thank you. Um, if you guys are all gonna be with it, outside of that whole minute and 30 seconds, we might be going into some rapid fire questions here, guys. So take the time if you need it, but if not, we're going into some overtime here. Next will be Nate. Nate, a minute and 30 seconds to yourself whenever you're ready. 
Thank you. So there's a couple of different things that I want to speak to here. The first one is in regards to my experience with with governance. I have sat on multiple boards. I've sat on boards for nonprofits. I've sat on boards for political parties. uh, And I have a pretty extensive experience in regards to writing policy that is effective and embraced. I, I wrote policy for a political party just a couple of years ago, multiple policies that were specific to healthcare as well as economics that were overwhelmed accepted at the grassroots level uh, at a policy convention. So I'm, I'm fairly comfortable with that. The One of the other things that we have to be realistic about, though, is that we are facing multiple crises. And w- one of the things that I bring to the table is a lot of experience dealing with crisis. I do that on a day-to-day basis with my role as a paramedic, but as somebody who was a first responder for not only the Calgary floods, but also went up to Fort Mac, I know what it is to deal with extremely high-pressure situations where the decisions that you make can have massive, massive ramifications. Um, All of it boils down to, though, one of the biggest things that we have to do at City Hall is rebuild people's trust in the governance model that we have there because people have lost the trust in that. And I have worked to do that through my campaign. Uh, I have worked to demonstrate that I'm following the rules that exist within the systems. And I think that's important because, unfortunately, there's a lot of people in this election who aren't following those rules. One only needs to look no farther than the amount of illegal signage that we have up in Ward 3 right now. I'm going to cut you off. Let's hope we can stick to the rules in the debate, Nate. <laughs> Next, we will uh, talk to Brent. Brent, a minute and 30 seconds to yourself. Uh, for starters, the oil and gas sector failed because of poor policy um, from the federal government. They basically shut the country down. And then uh, Alberta had to sit there and, uh, well, scramble. And then we had uh, a city government that fought with the provincial government for whatever reason. I have no idea other than I think it's a bunch of eagles uh, getting in the way of better judgment. For me, I've managed um, a few companies in my life. And uh, what I am is a, an efficiency expert. And where I go into companies, I look at how they operate. And, and I look at the policies. And I look at uh, the direction they're going. and, and uh, in the process, and then I make adjustments. And sometimes those adjustments are people and where you have a good conversation uh, and there's some things that they just don't know things that other times uh, they uh, skip the process and go to the end and which causes uh, delays. And like Gerber was saying, there's a lot of, uh, the government gets, gets in the way of better judgment, we'll say. So the biggest one we need to do is get rid of red tape and data is important, but so are people. Too often, people put numbers in front of people, or numbers in front of people, and it causes a lot of problems. So where I'm at is that I have a proven track record of solving these problems. Thank you. Sorry about that flip there, uh, Brent. Uh, next and last, before we go into rebuttals, is Hamayu. Hamayu, minute and 30 seconds to yourself whenever you are ready. Hi, Chris. Uh, in my view, like, you know, I have a uh, background in finance and IT. That's specifically I used to do after finishing my university. So still, like, you know, the recent survey done by the Alberta Business Council, I passed did for them, like still the 75% believe, like, you know, the natural resources are like the, and the industry connected to the natural resources, like, you know, the only way 
like go out from this uh, like in a post pandemic but thing is like you know, how are we going to do that to being a responsible to the other side, side like you know due to the climate change and those things are happening as well and we have seen that in the past like you know the lot of oil rigs and those things like you know when those were abandoned and they left it there and nobody was like you know track them down there right so while we are like you know using over nature resources to the further recovery and those kind of things but i believe so like you know that like we need to talk to the both level of government like provincial and federal like you know to help us like you know the keeping all the environmental protocol and like you know the way out from this post pandemic situation and hopefully like you know we will be able if we have a the efficient enough people and who knows the what the finance and what the procedure is all about to like you know that take the, take these things on and yeah that's what i all about to say so that's all thank you hamayu next we will go into 30 seconds rebuttals now please remember candidates you do not need to have 30 seconds if you don't wish but i will give everyone equal time so we will go in alphabetical order and i will say do you want the 30 seconds if you do please let me know uh ian would you like 30 seconds to uh, continue on or finish up sure uh, just one extra thing that i wanted to mention is right after law school my first three jobs were doing turnarounds on companies um so i would go into companies that weren't uh, working very well at all and basically turn them around and make them work better and that i believe is something that we may need uh dealing with uh city administration. Thank you. Ian Jasmine 30 seconds. Sure. I will just add that you know where we're going is somewhere that we have have never been. We really can't go back in in time in Calgary, but I do believe that we can build on our strengths. That being said, we have to work towards uncoupling um how much we spend on our most essential services with with the price of oil and gas and I think that uh, economic diversification is very important and uh, that's something that I would certainly be committed towards doing uh, when it, while on council in the ways that we can. So, thank you. Thank you. Gabir, 30 seconds to yourself if you want it. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, I'll take it, man. So, um I'll just say right now that my experience is directly relevant to this question. and really what we've done at Rocky View County my role is remove bureaucracy and and remove red tape to move applications and files forward without putting the municipality in a jeopardizing position but while also spurring economic activity here in Alberta if you look at the East Balzac area you'll see the likes of Amazon three big buildings you'll see the, you'll see the likes of Walmart GFS and others Sobies we're setting up there we did our part to spur the economic activity in the region i'm just going to assume for Calgary too thank you Oh, I'm just going to assume everyone's going to want an extra 30 seconds, so I'm going to stop asking if you want it or not. But Nate, 30 seconds to yourself. Yeah, the only thing that I really want to add is I just want to respond to something that Brent said there. Um I am more than happy to dunk on the city uh, the current city council when appropriate, but we have seen from multiple organizations across the province in schooling including school boards, including city councils, including municipal councils who've expressed a great deal of frustration that the province effectively downloaded the covid response over the last pretty much year to city councils and other organizations and I think they have done a very good job. Uh so I just wanted to to acknowledge that. Thank you. And Brent, 30 seconds. Uh both tonight um the whole problem with the municipal government we have right now is they're a confrontational bunch. They don't get along. They tell the province how to do their job and they tell the feds how to do their job when they're not even doing their own job properly. 
So I think we need to accept what we have and learn from it and move forward. There's nothing we can do about this uh, pandemic. We have to go through it and, uh, you know, and get our costs under control. The city is uh, it's broke. It's like the province. You guys are really getting my arm work out today. Thank you. Uh, Mayu, 30 seconds to yourself whenever you're ready. As I already said, Chris, like, you know, that we, we need to use our resources, whatever we get, and municipal government, whatever could they do, they are doing their job efficiently or not, like that's a debatable, but thing is like, you know, the main thing like about oil and gas sector, right? So we need to use existing resources to create a robust economy for the future, right? So we cannot live in the past, like when we used to have a $150 of barrel, per, per barrel oil, but that's not gonna happen anymore. So yeah, use the resources wisely. So that's, that's all, all I would say. Thank you so much. Okay, topic two. Um, now, I did not prepare the candidates for this, but I'm going to give each candidate two minutes to respond to this question because, as I said in my opening introductions, we had 40 questions alone on trains and public transportation. So I want to get everyone's opinion on this because it is a doozy of a question. There was a lot of questions around trains and public transportation submitted to this debate. The questions range from phase two of the Green Line the Calgary to Banff rail and a potential Calgary International Airport line to the downtown core. Can the candidates, and we're gonna start with Jasmine on this, can the candidates please tell the listeners and watchers your views on these lines and which one would you advocate for over the others and why? Two minutes to yourself, Jasmine, whenever you're ready. Okay, well, thanks for that question, Chris. I think the answer to me is very clear. Um, before we can think about having rail between cities, we have to service the city and the citizens that we have here. And uh, the Green Line to the North is, is an approved project. It's something that has been discussed for many, many years. We have very high ridership up in the North. And this is something that I would advocate for very strongly. While I think uh, a Calgary airport to downtown trail or train is, is a great idea, that's the sort of second priority I would have. And then um, the third and last is a Calgary to Banff Rail. And I do want to back up and, and speak a little bit about transit and the role of, of municipal government in this. I think when we, we think about why do we have municipal government? Why don't we just let the private sector do everything? And the answer to that is there's some things you don't want the private sector doing, for example, policing. And the other answer is there's some things that the private sector just by and large won't you know, spontaneously create on their own because there's not enough of a profit motive in it. And transit is one of those things. There was a lot of money uh, to be made in, in transit. We would have all the best rails around. But the truth is that transit is fundamentally about equity. And it, we have seen the way that uh, transit has, has developed in the city and it has been inequitable. And uh, I really want to ensure that we, we bring that green line to the north. And in the meantime, you know, we're, we're working towards creating a full scale transit system that works for the entire skeleton of the city and working on our busing. Because even, even once the green line comes, many of us have talked about this, we still have huge issues with east-west travel. We still have many students in the area that are trying to get to key locations like universities and can't get 
there. Uh, and we have many residents who, you know, the primary income earner might be taking the car and then, and then the rest of the family is at home and unable to get around. So, um, you know, public transit is, is a way to help people realize their biggest economic potential, but also just to participate um, equitably in our society. Thank you. Thank you, Kabir. Two minutes to yourself on this topic whenever you are ready. Thank you. Yeah. So I'll just go up by saying that public transit is a core aspect of municipal service delivery, full stop. You know, uh, as Jasmine alluded to, the Green Line is the single most important project, infrastructure project for North Central Calgary and this ward. So should I be successful as a councillor, um, I will be a huge lobbyist and a huge supporter of the Green Line. But we all know that mega projects of this size don't just get funded locally. We have to advocate strongly with our provincial government and also in our federal government and really try to get as many dollars targeted towards our city to get that line built because North Calgary does have high, high ridership. I took transit my entire life until I moved to my community of Panorama Hills, which is now it's no longer really conducive to get around the city in a, in a, in a timely fashion. As for the three priorities of the rail projects that were identified in this question, the Green Line for me is number one. Number two would be our, our airport to downtown connection. I know other mayoral candidates have been really pushing hard for this, but I think this will also require a lot of funding from the federal and the provincial level and also be a big part of our downtown recovery. And lastly, the Banff to Calgary train, I look at it similar to the, to the Calgary to Edmonton train, you know, something that we talk about for a very long time be a very nice to have given that calgary is a gateway to the rocky mountains and a big reason why people do come to the city i think longer looking that'll be another good initiative to to look at but i look at you know i look at something similar uh, to when uh, the 2010 vancouver olympics happened and um the province and the uh, and, and the federal government invested in the sea to sky highway connecting whistler and squamish to to the lower mainland in vancouver and they also opted to not go for um a, a rail option given the expense and also did also the challenging topography but also understanding that a road um, with an adequate bus service is a good solution, even in this case for Olympic Games. So for me, that's a third priority and a lot more longer looking. Thank you. Thank you so much. Nate, two minutes on this topic whenever you are ready. Thank you. So there's, to me, transit's one of the big reasons why I'm running. Uh, the reality is, and it's already been acknowledged by a couple of people, that uh, North Central Calgary has the highest ridership in the, the city of Calgary. Um, and unfortunately, it has some of the weakest transit infrastructure. Transit, the, for people who need transit, it's absolutely critical. There's a lot of people who have the luxury of not having to rely on transit, but there's a lot of people who don't have that luxury. Transit has the ability to not only be a great equalizer for us, but it also has the ability to make sure that we're elevating people and that helps restart our whole economic situation. So it's absolutely critical in regards to the priorities for the three lines mentioned, uh, green line for sure, but we also need to be pragmatic about it. Realistically, we are looking at at least 10 years at the bare minimum before we see a train come up here because we haven't even started a the land acquisition process. This is one of the reasons why I've been advocating for a BRT max line similar to what we see on 17th Avenue, because not only if we do that intelligently, we can use that infrastructure to pivot to C-train style uh, transit, but it also helps to make a more compelling business case for why we need to get it done right away. Uh, in regards to the next 
funded project that I would advocate for the airport, um, because I think that's probably the easiest one to correct just by swerving a little bit west from the existing uh, transit line. And as much as I understand people's desire to have a, a train to Banff, uh, the reality is, is we used to have that service. It was underutilized. And I have not seen a compelling business case for it. If there is a compelling business case, I'm absolutely open to uh, listening to that objectively and making sure that any decisions that I would make would be made on an evidence-based basis. Thank you. Brent, two minutes to yourself whenever you're ready. Uh, I'll start off. I, I agree with Nate one on the BRT thing. And I'd like to take a little bit step forward. It's, it's north and south and into town is really important, but it's also important to go east to west so we can get into the, the business sector and to the university. And so some kind of a, a T intersection or somewhere where uh, there can be something like that that happened. Uh, as for the Green Line, I, I said it should have been here 10 years ago and political decisions took it somewhere else. And, and that's unfortunate. Um, the Banff Trail thing, that's a nice dream. Um, but there's other things to happen unless the private industry wants to go pick up the tab and go for it and maybe get some government help like provincial and federal. Uh, the Calgary, Calgary uh, or, <laughs> to, to the airport one, that one creates, uh, they say like 50,000 or opportunity for 50,000 uh, ridership a day or something like that. And where the green line in its present form only uh, produces a couple thousand. And so the ridership's not there for the green line, but it is for the blue line. And like I said on Sunday, we may be better off to not come across the river and take that money and from the blue line and bring it into Ward 3. And then that gives us access to the airport and then take the blue line into the city. And then that creates a whole loop and it services a lot of different people and we get uh, we can double our, 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 our rate and, and stuff. So. And there's a cost to all this, and, and, and people need to remember that, uh, you know, economics plays a, a large part in it. And if we don't get our economic situation together, we're not going to be able to afford to do any of them anyways. I mean, the, the city has a $3.5 billion debt load, or give or take a bit, 32%. You go order, borrow another $10 million, what the, or $3 billion, it just puts it through the roof, and it becomes unreasonable. Thank you. Hamayu, two minutes to yourself whenever you're ready. Hi. Uh, as the other fellow candidate already prioritized, like, you know, the Green Line is the number one priority for us. As a Ward 3 resident, and like, you know, the most of the people don't have a luxury of, like, you know, the having the cars and the, especially students, right? So, like, the insurances are gone, like, you know, high due to, like, you know, the hail and those kind of things. Are, insurances are so high and the retired people, especially, like, who are on the fixed income, basically, they cannot afford to, you know, the, own the car. And so this is very, like, you know, the tricky situation for War 3, especially, like, you were, like, you know, the getting from War 3 to any other part of the Calgary is very difficult. Like, it's, like, takes hours and hours to get anywhere to the college, university, or hospitals. First, uh, second priority, like, you know, the airport to downtown, yeah, that, of course, like, you know, all the major cities in the world, London, Paris, wherever you go, they have that, that direct connection from airports to the main downtown. So that, that'd be great as well. And they're going to reduce the congestion on the deer foot and the surrounding roads. And that's going to, like, you know, be better for the environment as well. 
and i was uh, reading th- th- through the case about uh, like you know the calgary to uh, like banff like but thing is uh, like you know, they gonna the private company gonna build that and but they gonna use the existing track and uh, i don't know what's the arrangements are there like you know who's gonna share the cost and how they gonna do it because i'm not in great favor of public private partnerships like you know this uh, this is not proven in the last 30 40 50 years this was another adam smith proposed the economy the way the capitalism but yeah i'm not like sure about that line but it's it's a it's good to have the like any infrastructure in the city but we need to like you know the carefully like you know read that uh, like you know the fine print what, what is the cost going to be and who's going to like you know the pay for that thank you and the last before we go into 30 second re- uh, remarks is ian ian two seconds to yourself whenever you are ready two minutes to yourself sir sure. Uh, as everyone else has identified, the Green Line is um, going to make the single biggest impact in our area and, and is my highest priority. Um, if we had had a councillor that had fought as hard for the Green Line as the other councillors and down south had fought for the Green Line, we could be having it up here now. We did have the space for the maintenance yards, but um, it, that was never brought to council's attention, at least not uh, actively. And we we lost out on being the first uh, segment in spite of the fact that we have a higher ridership and uh, it will make a more of a you know, economic impact. The green line also ha- affects uh, people of lower income um, in the trades. And also, if you're trying to build a, um, a city and call it f- business friendly, um, people need to actually get to work on time. And if they can't get to work on time, it's not very business friendly. My daughter um, takes her on average of about two hours to get pretty much anywhere in the city except for major areas. And it's and she's told me that it's the single biggest effect on her daily life is choosing whether or not to take uh, transit uh, from Ward 3. So that's that would be my first and highest priority. Uh, I do want to point out, uh, just as a correction to Brent, the expected Green Line ridership is about 140,000 a day. So that's a, that's a very significant amount. Um, my second priority is will is different from the other candidates. I, I would prioritize the Banff one, and the reason is first off, the city is not on hook for that. Um, second, it's already planned. The um, the airport to downtown is already built into that, so you're getting a two for one. And third, um, the funding's already not really in place. It's just an MOU. Um, so uh, we have an opportunity to make sure that we're not stuck up for the whole whole amount. We're, we would be stuck for the airport one. All right. Thank you, Ian. 30 seconds rebuttal or follow up. Let's start with Jasmine. 30 seconds to yourself, Jasmine, whenever you're ready. Thanks, Chris. I will just add that it has taken decades to get all three levels of government on the same page for this investment in the Green Line. We absolutely cannot afford to elect a council who is going to undo all the work that's been done to this point. It's not the time to get creative uh, with how we should be drawing that Green Line across the city. Um, It's time to get it done. Thank you. Beer, 30 seconds rebuttal or follow up whenever you're ready. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Yeah, I, I, I say again, the Green Line is a single important project, a single most important infrastructure priority in Ward 3. And we need a really influential council who will continue to lobby and fight for it, which I will do. It's not going to be easy and it's not going to be quick. We're just beginning on the investment in the stage one that's going south to, to uh, Shepherd Industrial. And hopefully if it comes under budget, going up to 16th Avenue, 
We need someone influential here in Calgary, but also in Edmonton and also in Ottawa. Thank you. Thank you, Nate. 30 seconds to yourself whenever you're ready. So I just want to underscore as well that one of the, the things that I've really tried to do with my campaign is spend a lot of time listening to the youth, because one of the biggest concerns that I have has to do with the brain drain that we're currently experiencing in Calgary. And the two biggest concerns that consistently come up are accessible and reliable transit because they want to be able to get to post-secondary and secondary to that climate change. The Green Line as a project is the project that has the most potential to impact both of those things. And it's absolutely critical that we go ahead with it as planned. Brent, 30 seconds to yourself whenever you're ready. Thanks. Uh, first, to Ian, uh, those numbers that you're, you're saying, those are old numbers, and they included Northwest ridership. And uh, they say that uh, the ridership for the uh, Green Line um, is unsustainable to, uh, and doesn't justify the expenditures. Having said that, though, I mean, people need to get around. And I so said, I'll go back to the BRT. And, and we need to get something happening now so we can talk and work behind the scenes and get this stuff, these lines happening. But the BRT is where we need to focus. Thank you. Hamayu, 30 seconds to yourself whenever you are ready. As I already said, uh, I'm in favor of Green Line. Like This is the single most important project in the city history. And all, as I said, all the big cities in the world have the, the good transport system and transit system. So... It's not like, you know, the getting point A to point B, but it's like, you know, that give you the city, the economic edge as well on to the other, like, you know, the be a competitive in the city, like, and it's gonna, it's, and other thing I will say, like, you know, we need to make sure that phase three should be built and uh, run to the North as soon as we can do that. Thank you so much. And last on this topic, before we go to the third topic is Ian, Ian, whenever you're ready, 30 seconds. I just wanted to add that the perfect solution would be uh, finishing stage one. And instead of sending everybody home, dismantling everything, canceling all the contracts and everything else, that we just continue on for that point. So we need to basically have our funding in place for that second point, And that will require um, a huge amount of advocacy at all three levels of government. Perfect. Thank you. Topic number three, which is neighborhood safety. This question is posed to Gabir first. Gabir, this, uh, and I apologize right off the bat if I pronounce this name incorrectly, but I will try my best. This question is from Samir. They would like to know, or she would like to know, in the last five years, I have seen the rise of hate in my community. I have been the target of racist and derogatory insults in front of my children. The rise of racial hate and anger has been troubling to myself and the mommy and me group I belong to. I would like to know how you as candidates would tackle the rise of hate and negativity in our communities. I would like to remind everyone, we are back to the minute and 30 second answers. So minute and 30 seconds to yourself, Kabir, whenever you are ready. Thanks, Chris. And Samir isn't that hard of a name to say, buddy. Come on. <laughs> I'm only giving you I'm only giving you a hard time. Well, uh, Calgary's um, Calgary's council should look like the people that uh, that that, it, uh, that live here. And, you know, having been door to door over 8000 doors in our community, I have seen the true diversity that exists in Ward 3. And I'm willing to say that our ward is likely the most diverse in the entire city. So we need to elect a council who looks like the people that that, um, that who, who live here. 
steps to curb you know curb crime you know like i know our, the current council passed something called the cp cpip the crime prevention investment plan this provides um a longer a longer term initiative identifying root causes um to invest in more preventative measures that curb crime um but to be honest the big thing is a pandemic ending and really having around a 10 percent unemployment rate that's also leading towards higher crime in our community we need to really um um we need to build a really inclusive and uh, inclusive city in which people, um, people who understand uh, the diversity of people who live here. And I really think I myself approach things with curiosity. I have been thankful as a person of color that I haven't uh, been subject to, um, to, 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 that, to all that many racial slurs, but I have been. And, you know, it's um, as a person of color, I do expect that comes to the territory. And you know what? I'm, more and more I think about it, that's not really a normal, but we have to do our part to really um, to promote that, to promote diversity, but also um, build an inclusive city. Thank you. Thank you. Nate, minute and 30 seconds on this question whenever you're ready. I got to start by saying um, it is really upsetting to me to hear Grabeer say that he expects it because it comes with the territory that to me just highlights how much work we have to do. Um, it, it, nobody should expect to be the victim of any sort of crime, racial or otherwise, that that shouldn't be something that's just part of the package. Uh, and it really does highlight how much work that we have to do with that. Um, here's, here's where my thing is. Ultimately, it comes down to city council doing two things. First of all, city council has to be willing to listen to the people who are experiencing uh, these crimes. There's really no other word for them. Uh, and it also has to we have to see some real leadership from city council. And as much as I agree that city council does have to look like the diverse makeup of Calgary, one of the things that I have been told in conversations with people that I have been listening to who have been the victims of these things is that they also need to make sure that there are people who look like me who are willing to condemn these sorts of behaviors unequivocally and provide the leadership there. Uh, there need to be people who look like me who are willing to call it out and who are willing to stand not just beside, but when necessary in front of the people who are the subject of this sort of thing, because that's what leadership needs to look like. Thank you, Nate. Brent, minute and 30 seconds to yourself whenever you're ready. I'm actually kind of troubled and disappointed uh, to hear that because I have zero patience for any of you. Zero, zero, zero. And if I ever see it, hear it, and, uh, and I have, I've uh, hired hundreds of people, and I look at culture and a person's ability to go and do the job. And I talk to lots of people at door, many, and of different nationalities, and they just want to be called Bob, Mary, or Sue. They don't want to be called green, white, pink, or purple. No, but I think there's a piece that's missing here is we need to go start focusing a little bit more on, on mental health in this whole thing. So, and, and that can go to keeping kids really busy and having facilities for them to do and programs, you know, and, and maybe there's some things that are cultural specific um, in mental health or in training, you know, but we need to be patient. We can't focus all on social justice. We have to also focus on the economic because if we get people back to work, a lot of the social stuff will disappear. And it, it, people may say, well, that sounds whatever, but uh, it's true. If, uh, if those have kids, if you don't keep them busy uh, or if they're quiet, you know, something's going on. So 
we need to keep people busy. And, and adults perform better when they're working. They appreciate it. They can put food on the table. And right now, there's not a lot of people that are, are being able to do that like they used to. And it, that, that part has to change. So get the kids busy. Get the city back to work. Thank you, Brent. Mayu, minute and 30 seconds to yourself whenever you're ready. I believe it is like, you know, this uh, racial, like, you know, the, whatever you say, like, you know, the in, racial slur, or these kind of things happening every day, like, you know, the, and I noticed like, you know, more closely when I was doing that door knocking, like, you know, the, when you go and get, like, it's not uh, like young kids or something like in, people in age of 40 and like up, like, you know, they, they are the using like kind of language you don't want to listen like you know but you are at somebody's doorstep you just take it otherwise you don't take that those things but it's a real issue with the education and the, with the leadership actually leadership fails actually that some of the candidates like you know the even like it's now um don't want to name anybody for running for the like you know the big big positions like you know they are advocating these things like you know when then the media like you know when media uh, they people are coming on the media and like you know that yeah, just how uh, are they getting the attention of media and the social media and those kind of things but like you know this is a very very difficult issue actually like you know the from social media to parental education like social education and the council like you know need to do something about this and it's a it's a real issue right now like you know the we, we come from that different background our parents came 30 40 years ago we are a canadian like you know we so our kids should be treated as same as the other people living in the city. So yeah, this is a real issue for me. So that's all I say. Thank you. Ian, minute and 30 seconds whenever you're ready. Yeah, uh, yeah so this is a, uh, an issue near and dear to my heart. My wife is Chinese and uh, she's been the, a, uh, the recipient of racial slurs and so have I for, for daring to marry somebody outside of my own race. So that's that's it's very disappointing, and it does feel like there's been a, a rise in in this kind of behavior. Um, one of the first things we need to do three things really. Uh, first off, enforce the actual laws. Don't let people continue to break the laws and promote hate and make it normal, create a culture of normality where, where people feel comfortable making racial slurs in public. Um, th that's, that's, that's been on the rise recently, and it's, it's unfortunate. Uh, second, uh, the city um, doesn't have authority over the criminal law. Um, so uh, the other thing that uh, the city can do is support groups, uh, nonprofit groups, typically that a support um, anti-racism uh, activity and b support the victims of racist activity and c. Um, to be honest, uh, the, uh, part of it is economic. The pandemic has stressed a lot of people and they take it out on other people. And one of the better ways of, of dealing with in part of that is to uh, is to get the city back on track again and make people feel a little bit more comfortable. Thank you. 30 seconds follow up for everyone. We will start with Kerbeer if he's there. Oh, no, Jazz. Sorry. I apologize. I skipped over. I checked your name last. I apologize. Jasmine, a minute and 30 seconds to yourself. I apologize for that. I'm going oh, to go. Well, that's no problem, Chris. That's all. Seconds. I, I just want to say to, to Samir, if, if you're listening, um, 
you know, how, how sorry I am to, to hear about this. And, and at the same time, not in any, any way surprised, unfortunately. I mean, we've seen the rise in, in hate crimes across Alberta, particularly for women of color. We've witnessed the violent attacks on, on the London family. These are things that make people scared. And, you know, you even listening to whom I always say, he, you know, when you go to the door, you, you ring the doorbell and you're standing on someone's porch and you're holding your breath and you're not sure um, what you're going to experience on the other side. And, and as a candidate, I can, I can attest to that as well. Um, we're all, all settlers here. Many of us are our first and second generation Canadians. And, and I, I do feel like in, in many ways we, we, we are failing to live up to the great promise that this country was for so many people um, with these issues of race and racism. And I think that we have to acknowledge it um, as an issue and treat it as a social problem that that isn't just an unfortunate thing. It, it's, it's something that is here all the time. It's pervasive in everything we do. And condemnation is the absolute bare minimum. Um, we have to be an anti-racist city. Uh, land use designations and decisions um, have, a, have a historical um, challenges and, and are rooted a lot of times in, in racist decisions. And I think that it's going to come down to, you know, sitting at that council table with, with my elbows out to make space for um, other voices and, and to celebrate the absolute rich culture that we have um, in Ward 3 and in this city. Thank you. And I apologize once again for that. Now we will go to 30 second follow ups. Uh, Gabir, 30 seconds to yourself whenever you are ready. Thanks, Chris. Now I'm just going to say, as a person of color, um, you know, one thing that I do a lot, and I'll, and I'll just say it very candidly, especially when I'm at the door and seeing people who do not look like me at all, is I show them that I'm no, I'm no different than they are. I am educated and I'm a first generation Canadian and I'm educated in the same education system as any other Canadian. And my views and ideologies are just like theirs. Unfortunately, we are, we are in a regressive time and it's no secret. We need strong leadership who will fight and continue to uphold the diversity that exists in the city. Thank you so much. Nate, Sorry, Chris. Seconds, no worries. Uh, 30 seconds to yourself, Nate, whenever you're ready. Sure. I just want to correct a couple of quick little things. Uh, I understand what Jasmine was trying to say, but let's be very clear. Canada was absolutely founded on racism. And I know I'm probably blowing up my mentions by saying that, but it's absolutely true. If we're going to listen to First Nations people, we have to acknowledge that. Secondary to that, mental health does not contribute to hate crimes. Lack of education and hate contribute to hate crimes. Third of all, I have been in this city during booms and busts, and I have seen people wearing Nazi symbols all the time. And finally, if you want to know how I will respond to racism, I called out Kevin J. Johnson, knowing what was going to happen, and I would absolutely do it again. Thank you so much, Nate. Next, we will go to Hamayu for, our, sorry, Brent, 30 seconds to yourself whenever you're ready. Um, <laughs> I think it's important to, to note that this is a national or a national uh, it's not specific to any any particular nationality or subs. so i can tell you some stories about when i was at indoors and i travel around the world many times and uh, i have lots of stories about this kind of stuff and i and overall it just if we focus on focus focus and give it more power than it needs and it doesn't do us any good we need to take care of the economics thank that's you so much Brent, Hamayu, 30 seconds to yourself, whenever you're ready. Uh, what I would say, Chris, like, you know, the 
we all travel all around the world like we have seen the things like but we are when we are talking about this specific city we are running for like you know to be a like you know the leader of our community we need the leadership and we need a, like you know strong like you know the action against these kind of things like the people like you know who, who, whose parents came around 30 40 50 years ago like it doesn't matter where they come from like they are a canadian and they are educated people like you know going on their door and doing the volunteer things so yeah they they should be a, like in you know, a punishment for the thank breaking the laws thank you so loss. much La, uh, ian 30 seconds to yourself whenever you're ready Yeah, uh, focusing on the economy is not going to fix this problem. You need to uh, focus on addressing the problem, dealing with the problem, uh, acknowledging the problem first and foremost is the is the first step. If you can't even acknowledge it, how can you possibly fix it? Um, we need to uh, address it in a multiple ways, not just a single uh, silver bullet that'll fix all of this. There's a whole bunch of different options that need to be done simultaneously in order to address the situation. Thank you. And last on this subject before we move to the next topic is Jasmine. Jasmine, 30 seconds to yourself whenever you're ready. Yeah, and I, I think Nate hit on a great point that a, a, a very important way to, that we have to be anti-racist is through our reconciliation efforts. Um, you know, and, and many of us are settlers on this land. This is Treaty 7 land that we're st streaming from. And I think that that's something that all elected officials, local officials uh, have to be making a big part of, of their platform and of their commitments um, and really acting on the White Goose Flying Report and uh, living and breathing that document, making sure that we are holding ourselves accountable to that. That's the only way that I think we can move forward uh, to make Calgary a better place for Thank everyone. Thank you so much, Jasmine. Next topic is volunteerism. And I will say I was giddy with joy when we got this question because I was hoping that we got it for all the other uh, uh, wards, but we got it for ward four, uh, three. This is a two-part question. I'm giving you a minute and 30 seconds to respond. And this question is from Lena and Amtul. I apologize if I'm pronouncing that wrong. Our volunteers are being stretched thin due to COVID-19. And this is going to be starting with Nate. The questions are, please outline what you have done for Ward 3 in terms of volunteering, arranging events, securing funding and support. And if not elected, would you continue to be involved or has your past volunteerism been about getting your name recognized prior to running? Nate, a minute and 30 seconds to yourself whenever you are ready. Sure. Um, yeah, I have a, a long history of volunteerism in, in uh, my community, and I want to be very clear, it is absolutely not for, for name recognition. This is probably one of the subjects that I have the most discomfort talking about because it, it quite frankly feels gross, but it's the question, so here we go. Um, I've done a lot of different things in the community. I've been on the board for the NHCA. Uh, I have also done quite a bit of assistance with the Creating Coventry Group. Um, I have created a Snow Angels program that has run several years that uh, makes sure that people who have disabilities or people who have mobility issues or seniors can just reach out and they will get their, their snow cleared. Um, my family has been very active in the community. We have a little free library. And about a year and a half ago, my wife uh, and our family started an initiative that I have to be very clear is supported by a lot of amazing people in the community uh, for a little free pantry. And that little free pantry 
make sure that people who are dealing with food insecurity or uh, simple issues like toiletries have access to those things without any uh, shame. The term that my wife uses is radical kindness. And I think that's that's sort of the my history. Will I continue to do that? Absolutely. I'm running for city council because I want things to get better. And if I'm not selected to be the next city councillor, I'm not just going to check out. I still want things to be better. Thank you, Nate. Brent, minute and 30 seconds to yourself whenever you're ready. I've been volunteering for uh, on and off for about 40 years, a long time. And I do it because I enjoy it. Uh, in every community I lived in, I've volunteered, done all sorts of different things, you know, from advocating for roads to building sports things uh, for Cubs and Girl Guides, uh, all of the above. You know, communities are based off volunteering. And I'm also a, a volunteer at the Hidden Valley Community Station. And I did some work in some other communities as well, because Ward 3 has 10 communities. It doesn't have one. It has 10. And a, the councillor for Ward 3 needs to represent all of them and, and respect all of them and, and collaborate with all of them. You know, being a counselor, because I have been a counselor before, is a very demanding job. And it's not something for everybody. And, and they say 80% of the people um, aren't qualified or, or you know, they, they don't make very good managers or leaders. And then 80% of that 20% don't want nothing to do with it because of the pain of butt. I mean, you look at what goes on in politics and, and, and the garbage that goes on. I mean, you can look at this race here and there's some women out there like, holy smokes, they've attacked some people. And, and, and it's just, it's, it's horrible, you know? And so first of all, it's got to start with candidates and who they have on Thank their teams. Thank you so much, Brent. Next, we will go to Hamayu, a minute and 30 seconds to yourself whenever you're ready. Hi, Chris. Uh, yeah, volunteerism is a great thing, actually. Like, you know, the, when we talk about the communities and like, you know, they all about the, in the past when we do, we have a different system or like you don't have a civic government system and the, the people used to do like can help each other. And for as far as uh, I'm concerned myself, like, you know, I, I've been uh, like, you know, in the voluntary work with the different organizations, not particularly like, you know, the war three or the like, you know, but uh, whenever I find like you know, any nonprofit organization, if they need any, like, you know, to do any work, like, you know, the, I'm there to help. And if I, uh, the other thing, if I elected or not elected, like, you know, the, I live in the like, this in this uh, war three and the, there are there are different communities over here i'm like always there to like help my like you know the neighbors like you know the like the community association whatever form we can do it yeah yeah and i appreciate it like you know whoever does the volunteer work it's just like you know taking your own time out and do something for your community is a great thing to do and i would definitely do in future if i get elected or not that doesn't matter regardless of the outcome of this election Thank you. Ian, minute and 30 seconds to yourself whenever you are ready. I've been uh, volunteering in various capacities for about 38 years now. Um, and uh, here in the northern, uh, in uh, 
Ward 3, I founded the Night Market North. I helped small businesses through the Northern Hills Connect. Um, after the last election, not before, I joined the NHCA board and was most recently president of the NHCA. And through that role, I helped feed people with food insecurity, provided seniors with social activities and exercise, cared for newcomers, ran a children's soccer program, organized the most successful community block watch program in Calgary, funded projects like the mural, new playgrounds and rinks. And I lobbied really hard uh, for the new high school, the green line, traffic safety and responsible development. Um, so I've been very busy in the, in the area. I'm, I'm, I love this question because I believe that I've, I've got a very strong uh, background and commitment to volunteering in this community. Thank you, Ian, Jasmine minute and 30 seconds whenever you're ready. Thanks, Chris. Um, probably not surprisingly, I've been highly involved in, in the sports sector, um, coaching, running clinics for kids. This is something that I'm very passionate about. I didn't uh, take much time away from the campaign uh, trail this summer, but that's still something that I always make time for because I, I know the transformative power of sport. Um, unfortunately, like youth recreation levels are way down, um, even worse than, than they were pre-pandemic. -pre um, and so getting kids active is something that I'm very passionate about. I've also uh, been a mentor and I've been lucky to have many mentors in my life. And I often talk about big system challenges, but I, I do think that the the one on one mentoring that we do with with kids, like the actual personal connection that you can make with with children that live right in our in our area is is so important. And I've fundraised significantly for organizations like Big Brothers, Big Sisters and also Kids Up Front, um, which do amazing work right in our community. And um, so I absolutely will continue to do that work. Um, it's not in any way related related to um, running. And uh, I, I really do believe that everyone here who, who is running is, is in it for the right reasons. It takes a lot uh, to put your name forward for, for these kinds of things. And uh, I think we have some really great choices in Ward 3 and uh, many community advocates and, and dedicated people here. Thank you. And last before rebuttals is Gabir. Gabir, minute and 30 seconds whenever you're ready. Thanks, Chris. In my role as a manager of uh, recreation parks and community support Rocky View County, I noticed one thing and one really sad thing before the pandemic even. Volunteerism is slowing. People are getting busier. They have less time to give to uh, spending time in their community and making their communities better. And that's why uh, when I was uh, in that role as a manager, I always made it a point that our volunteer groups bring the passion and us as administration bring the know-how and the execution and we bring solutions. And that's really what our city needs now more than ever. Volunteers have a huge role to play because they are the advocates and champions of change in their community. One thing I wanna drop with this question and really make it clear to listeners is I'm not sure why volunteerism and community work is a prerequisite for a, for a role as a municipal councillor. When people should be focusing on the hard skills and, and the other necessary skills needed to really be successful as, as a municipal councillor. To have a solid background, solid solid experience, but also have the necessary um, uh, ability to build influence, build relationships, and be a solid leader. And that's really what I bring to the table, and that's what I would do as your next city councilor. Thank you. Uh, Thirty seconds follow up, Nate. Whenever you're ready, oh, hold on two seconds. Now, whenever you're ready. 
Thank you. Uh, yeah, the the only other thing that I wanted to mention in, in regards to the, the volunteers and peace is that I, I do think it does speak to some degree to the investment that a person has in their community. And that's by no means to diminish anyone's uh, how much volunteer lust list they have on their thing. But I, I do think it is an important thing to look at. Uh, and I do want to acknowledge that. I also want to just ask Ian to perhaps correct some of the things that he listed off there, because my understanding of the block watch program is that was formed by a different group of people and then taken in under the NACA. Thank you. Brent, I will follow up with you for 30 seconds. Uh, I have to start off by saying, Gerber, you're right on the money. Uh, and uh, volunteering is very important and people get to know who they are and they learn lots of good skills. Uh, but there, there's some hard skills. This isn't a volunteer position. We're going into a high-end $4 billion budget fund and where people need to understand what money is and how to organize and how to manage people, time, and money and resources. Uh, and, and this is what this job is. It's, I mean, a lot of this volunteer all the time. I mean, I mentored many people can't count how many you know and but uh, it's about thank, leadership thank you um i, I do want to uh, i just put this out there these are the questions that were i got so i apologize if you, you may not be happy with the questions but these are the questions that i got and we got an abundance of questions on volunteerism so don't shoot the messenger that's all i ask uh next is amayu whenever you're ready 30 seconds Oh, you are muted still. Sorry about that. Hi, Chris. Uh, to be a volunteer, like, is a the great thing to do. Like, you know, people take their own time out and like, go for something. And everybody knows, like, we are, like, you know, the uh, be a counselor will be a, diff, a different job. Like, you know, the like, you know, running all those uh, kind of things, like uh, making all those policies and, like, you know, how they're going to, like, you know, the practically we can like you know convert those policies into the reality so yeah i would say like you know the still the volunteerism is going to play important role in the community so thank you ian 30 seconds to yourself whenever you're ready sure uh for block watch yes it was started by tavis and others as part of the uh nh but as part of the nhca and uh, we funded ran it and i'm a member of it um second uh, i do believe that a commitment to the community is important and volunteerism is important because um it's not just a paycheck and it's proof that your commitment to the community isn't just about the paycheck that you're drawing that it's about actually doing the work of course skill set matters um and third if i don't if <laughs> I will be volunteering afterwards, no matter how it, Thank how you everything so comes much, out. Ian. Jasmine, thirty seconds to yourself, whenever you're ready. So, um, I just want to say how important I think it is. The reason volunteerism matters is because you can't make policy from a removed position. If you don't see how what you're doing lands on the ground, if you're not thinking about um, all the people who are going to use the services that you are thinking about and, and, and designing, I don't think that you can do it well. The most important trait of a city councilor is empathy. You have to be able to put yourself in the shoes of the people who are going to be using the services. Even if you've never used a low-income transit pass, even if you don't use the dog park, you have to understand why these matter Thank to people. Thank you so much. And last 30 seconds to Gabir, whenever you are ready. Thanks, Chris. And 
You know, I, um, as an, as an engineer and as a technical minded person, my, my background, I intentionally took a role with Rocky County as uh, the manager of recreation parks and community support to really understand that aspect of service delivery. And I really understood the importance of volunteerism and its importance on developing a community. So it, it's, it's integral, but I'm going to say right now to answer the second part of the question, if I'm not successful in this run as city council, I will definitely be more involved in the community where I offer my passion, my background and my experience to better the people who live around me, but our city as well. Thank you. Topic number five. This question, we are starting off with Brent. Brent, this question is about diversification of our economy. And this question was posed from Charles. The current council has been focused on diversification of our economy, with tech industry being a big focus. What other industries do you, the candidate, see as a potential future for the city of Calgary. Brent, diversification and what uh, sectors do you want to bring whenever you're ready? Economic diversification, uh, everyone talks about it. I lived in BC for a long time and I uh, worked in the uh, forest industry for a long time. And everyone says, oh, we need diversification, diversification. So then um, the environmentalists shut down the forest industry. And BC went through 10 years of uh, not so much time. So now we are in Alberta doing this exact same thing. And so diversification happens when you're forced into it, usually. And it's not easy to get there. So where I'm at is that we need to focus on our businesses that we have. And how do we help them? We need to focus on some um, manufacturing stuff. Um, NAFTA took that manufacturing away and we need to go and fight for that and get it back. And we've got to get our costs under control for sure as well, right? Um, restaurants, um, cultural events, um, the event center, that's going to bring in all that kind of stuff. That's a diversification as well. And, and someone, uh, while I was knocking on the door, just mentioned that, well, instead of going and putting condos um, downtown that we're paying for out of our tax dollars, why don't we ask the business and uh, for some uh, ideas that they think they can do there? And maybe one of them would be to grow fruits and vegetables and uh, through hydroponics and make our, because we've got to get all this stuff from somewhere and we pay huge trucking fees and it probably we could sustain them, the city and maybe more. And, and but that's the kind of things we need to be creative with. And that's what experience brings. That's what I bring. Thank you so much. Mayu, a minute and 30 seconds, whenever you are ready. Hi, Chris. Uh, I'm a great uh, believer and advocate of uh, to diversify our economy. Uh, we used to like, you know, traditional resource, uh, source of uh, income was like oil and gas, but all of us know like the oil and gas, like is like, going to play important role for like 10, 15, 20 years, but it's not going to be big thing in the future. And I'm in a like a favor of bringing the new tech companies, obviously, but we used to have a, like, you know, the pharmaceutical production in this country and in this city. During the pandemic, we noted we, do, we don't have any capability of producing the pharmaceutical products in this city. Why not? We can bring the pharmaceutical firm to the city and we can do the, uh, like, you know, set up the, and give them that few year tax bre breaks and like, you know, if they can set it up and we can get the return over talent that, that way as well. So, uh, like, and other thing, like, you know, we need to uh, diversify okay over economy there's no other way like you know while we have this the oil and gas money or other revenue streams we need to wisely invest that money 
to bring the more like you know the sectors and target market some target market to bring into the city and we can like you know they have the great city in the future because to run the services you need the money and to get the money you need the like you know the people in the job that's all matters like you know whatever you say but like you know that we need the better mix of economy in the future thank you ian minute and 30 seconds to yourself whenever you're ready um i think one of the, the what i would have assumed was one of the obvious ones is that uh, calgary already has the infrastructure and support systems for energy companies and there's absolutely no reason why we couldn't become a center for green energy the, the need for energy worldwide is not going away uh, what's going to happen is a switch from one type of energy to another type of energy. We didn't leave the Stone Age because we ran out of stones. We didn't leave the Steam Age because we ran out of steam. And we're not going to leave the Petroleum Age because we run out of petroleum. It's going to happen before that point. Um, so switching uh, or providing the ability to become a green energy uh, uh, hub it was, was a, a really good way of leveraging something we already have. Uh, second, what I'd like to see is Calgary become the equivalent of an incubator. And if you don't know what an incubator is, it's basically a kind of a system that helps startups get started up, has the resources and gets them going. And when you have something like that, you can do things like uh, uh, non-traditional job creation. You can do things like uh, job, non-traditional job environments. Um, you can create uh, innovative office ideas. And we've got a lot of empty office space downtown that you can actually use different models for office rather than their traditional one. Um, and finally, um, oil and gas doesn't always have to be going into your car. You can make plastics with it and that's, and plastics don't go up and down in price the same way that the gas in your car does. Um, so it's a little bit more stable. Thank you, Jasmine. A minute and 30 seconds to yourself whenever you're ready. So I think one of the reasons that we hear so much about tech in Calgary um, isn't because that's the only industry, but because technology really underscores so many industries nowadays. So uh, it's a bit of a catch-all term that we use for diversification. But if you think about what we're really well positioned for, it's agricultural technology, it's financial services and technology, it's healthcare technology. And I think this is where Calgary is heading and, and should head. But we often talk about Calgary being a tech hub, but I don't know if we always know what that's going to, to look like are we going to be doing the same types of jobs we've always done in oil and gas we're now just doing in the tech sector or uh, are we doing fundamentally different things are we building a technological city and i think from from the city's perspective we need to think about how we can integrate our service delivery how can we you know, use technology to have the most streamlined permitting process in north america and reduce our regulatory burden how awesome would it be to get on a c train at at the airport and connect into a robust public wi-fi system and you have a digital transit pass that sends you to sends like tells you what events you are at the stop that you're getting off at. Um, that's where we need to head. That's the type of vision I think we need. Um, and if we start talking like that and, and uh, building that here, I think we will absolutely attract um, that, that type of investment. I also think we have to leverage the fact that we are an active economy. If you haven't seen the Active City Collective, I encourage you to look it up. There's some great work being done on active tourism in Calgary, and we are no longer going to be this flyover place as everyone's going to Vancouver. Uh, I really think we can leverage that into something amazing. Thank you, Kabir. Minute and 30 seconds whenever you're ready. Thanks, Chris. You know, 
to me, the recovery of our economy in Calgary is probably the number one most important thing facing the city. And, you know, the, it's not all the city of Calgary's shoulders. city of Calgary has a huge role to play um, in, in getting our economy back on track, but it's not all on our shoulders. And, you know, I think the biggest thing that we have to do um, is find a way to help diversify the economy. I came here back in 2011 because of the oil and gas sector. And I'll make it clear the oil and gas sector is not going anywhere. It's going to be integral to our economy moving forward. As hydrocarbons are not only fuel, but they're introduced to basically everything that we use and consume. But we have to do a better job of bringing in new sectors. You know, tech is always thrown around. The one thing we need to know about tech is tech looks, tech companies look for a certain type of people and certain type of staff. And we really need to find uh, work with our universities or lobby with our universities to start start creating graduates or creating programs to allow our workforce to be tooled to be attractive to these tech companies. Because as Jasmine mentioned, tech is the future. Tech will be part of everything that we do. But other low-hanging fruit that we uh, or our workforce is really well-tuned for is green energy and the shift to more renewables, carbon capture. But also Calgary is really well positioned in Western Canada as a tech, as a, a logistics and a warehousing hub. With things going online and purchases going online, we um, have the ability to easily um, distribute from Calgary. But other things that we have is finance, real estate, agri science, uh, and obviously one big one that we've seen recently is movie and film. And the problem is really being big on uh, on the tax credits to that industry to help attract and bring more movie and film to Calgary. Thank you. Thank you. And the last person to talk on this before the 30-second follow-up is Nate. Nate, a minute and 30 seconds to yourself whenever you are ready. It's such a big question. Uh, fundamentally, I mean, before I address all of the industries that I see as potential opportunities, I think one of the things that we have to highlight is we definitely need to have a bit of a culture shift. And I think that's one of the things that City Hall can definitely influence. Uh, I, I referred to the brain drain earlier uh, and the fact that we are seeing youth leaving the city. We have to take immediate steps to turn that around, especially if we want to be able to support a diversified economy. In regards to specific sectors other than tech, and I think tech, as everybody has already said is a, is a huge piece. There's there's huge opportunities in tourism. There's huge opportunities art in arts and development. Calgary used to have an insane film industry, uh, and we can absolutely get back to that. Uh, the other piece that I think is really important that I think has been highlighted well already is the fact that there are a lot of emerging energy sectors. We're seeing a lot of conversation about hydrogen right now, and there's absolutely no reasons why Calgary can't lead the charge on all of those things, including renewables and green energy. Um, the other thing that I would really like to see more encouragement for in, within Calgary is the whole area of research and development. We're really, we, we used to be really, really good at inventing amazing things. And we've moved away from that. And that is to me incredibly tragic because one of the biggest things that we can bring to the table is discovery. Finally, I think the most important thing that we need to do to accomplish all of these things is making sure that the city of Calgary is listening, not only to businesses that are trying to operate in these sectors, but we're also listening to the youth. Thank you. And 30 seconds uh, follow-up rebuttal. Uh, Brent, if you want it, you can take it, but 30 seconds to yourself. Thank you. Um, first, Ian, oil and gas will be key. Uh, for hydrogen, what Nate's saying, all of the above, they will be key. And, and But as for Nate, in culture shifts, um, that's a nice word. That's what I do for a living, is I shift cultures. And we just need to spend some time and appreciate what we have here and see how we can make it better. And if I think if people should also look at this, uh, I forgot. Michael Moore, Planet of Humans. I'm going to have to cut you off. 
unless and I, I because I feel like everyone's going to want to talk about this for a little bit. If everyone's okay, I will give everyone a one minute rebuttal. So I'll give Brent an extra 30 seconds. So is everyone okay with one minute follow-up on this one? Because this it seems to be a very passionate issue for a lot of the candidates here. So Brent, for 30 more seconds, whenever you're ready. So Michael Moore, Planet of Humans, everyone knows he's an environmentalist. And it's a very interesting show about uh, renewable energy and uh, the cost of it and uh, that it produces more greenhouse gases than oil and gas. Because it also needs to use oil and gas. And people need to understand that you have to mine something, anything to build anything. And education, you need to have tradesmen to build all this techie stuff too, right? So it's not just techie. Thank you. Okay, so a minute, Mayu, minute to yourself whenever you're ready. Uh, Chris, all of us, like, you know, saying we need a better mix of economy. So how are we going to do it? Important question, right? So how are we going to bring the new business to the city? So for that purpose, like, you know, the over, like, you know, uh, new city council, how it's going to look like, I don't know. But like, they need to talk to the federal and provincial government and need their help, right, to target a certain type of, like, you know, business, if they can bring it in and they are willing to come in. And for the, that purpose, like half of the downtown is empty right now. So they can talk to the like, you know, the builder, uh, building owners, like, you know, they give them some sort of like, you know, the rent relief or like, you know, the like, you know, NMAX is like owned by the city. So NMAX can, you know, give them the like, you know, free electricity for a few months or whatever, like, you know, the, for the locals, uh, startups, uh, they can help them. So we need that. This is a very important. This need a lot of time, actually, to, you know, how we're going to bring the business to the city. Bringing everybody's talking about the new businesses, but bringing to the city is the important issue right now. Thank you so much, uh, Ian. Minute to yourself whenever you are ready. Sure. Uh, one thing I want to point out is technology isn't a sector anymore. Technology is part of all sectors. It's 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 embedded into the system. It's kind of like saying that the inter in the old days the internet was a, a, a completely separate thing, and then you had all of the other departments of your your company. That's not the case anymore. It's it's embedded in everything we do. Um, second, um, we do need to uh, prevent the brain drain. Our 18 to 24-year-olds are leaving the city, um, and uh, it's, it's, it's going to be a real problem. Um, third, uh, oil and gas is, is not coming back, not the same way that it, it's been. We're, we're not going to be able to go back to doing the same old things, the same old ways, and getting the same old results. It's just not going to happen. Um, all major oil and gas companies are rebranding themselves as energy companies now, and they are all exploring uh, green energies and alternate energy paths because they know that. Um, so it's not like this is coming from the outside. They know it, and they have the information, and they're doing it. We need to as well. Thank you so much. Jasmine, a minute to yourself whenever you're ready. Sure. I, I just want to add that, you know, it's not full scale diversification that we're after here. Uh, we actually it's very important that we have strengths. And if you talk to an economist and ask them, hey, what's the most diversified province? They'll tell you that it's Manitoba. And I hope this doesn't lose me the Manitoba vote in the election. But there is hardly an economic powerhouse that comes to mind when we say that it's really important that we have strengths. And that's going to come down to, um, you know, 
our people and talent as, as Gerbeer alluded to. And that's, we have to work with our provincial partners to ensure that we're continuing investments in education. The big thing that I think we have to realize is that this province was built on public private sector collaboration. We had the oil and gas companies who were trying to get the oil out of the oil sands and were willing to front the money. And we had public institutions and universities doing all of the research and technology to help that process. We need that same spirit of collaboration. We cannot move forward with this private public fight that we have had in this province, it's not the way forward. Kabir, a minute to yourself whenever you're ready. Thanks, Chris. Calgary makes up 40% of the GDP of Alberta. That's huge. And really we have to understand what the, what is a city's precise role in economic recovery? And the biggest thing that we can do as a city is promote Calgary at a national, but more so at an international level and really sell the benefits and merits of why it's good to live in Calgary, but also why it's good to do business in Calgary. And to be to do good business in Calgary, we as a city have to be efficient, non-bureaucratic, and really move our applicants and businesses through our regulatory process in the most quickest way possible. But we more so have to also work with our, it's also we have to understand geographically what is calgary good for and i think calgary uh given its location in western canada would be an incredible hub for, for logistics and distribution amongst other things and uh, and that's all i have to say about that thank you thank you and nate uh last minute to yourself before we go on topic six whenever you're ready yeah, I was really not planning on doing any very much fact checking uh, for this debate, but I feel like I have a little bit of an obligation to do that. I would shudder to think that anybody at city council would be making policy decisions based on a video that has been largely panned by the scientific community. And that was removed for you from YouTube for being grossly inaccurate, misrepresenting the current state of green energy and green tech. That is a incredibly dangerous narrative. Uh, and it is simply not reflective of where the technologies are right now um that's i think i said everything that i wanted to say about diversification in the first bit but i just can't let that last bit go unchallenged uh and if anybody has any questions do a quick little google search and you'll see just how many people stepped out against this thing okay thank you we are going on to topic number six and you guys have all touched on it at one point during the last hour and a half and i know i said we'd be doing an hour and a half debate but you guys like to talk and i want to make sure we get this one in because this question is important and this is going to start with hamayu uh this is about youth engagement and retention the question is from june my daughter is heading off to university in vancouver next year we have ch chatted about the future and the possibility of her staying in Vancouver uh, after her schooling is completed. My question to the candidates is, how would you retain the youth of Calgary, but also engage with youth if elected on October 18th? A minute and 30 seconds to yourself, Hameyu, whenever you're ready. Oh, you're muted again. Sorry. Hi, Chris. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yep. Okay. So this is subject again, like, you know, retaining the youth and retaining the talent in the city and, you know, the, and we make sure there's no more brand drain from the city. So that's, we need to like, you know, the come up with the solution, like, you know, the, what kind of opportunities we can create for the youth. 
and create those opportunities like you know the i don't think so it's entirely a city like a city council subject like you know we need as i said earlier like in my previous question was about the diversify the economy like we need to like talk to the both level of government and create some sort of like you know the environment over here like you know we can retain over youth and like you know the and the best way to do that is like you know the providing them the opportunities if we just talk like you know we retaining them for the few months for the volunteer here and they are not going to do that like you know the i have like you know the personal experience i have few friends like related to the it and they guys left to for the us and like you know that's happening every day so it's a very like a worrying situation that's what i say like you know that we need to come up with the different kind of solutions and for that purpose like we need to take all that the stakeholders on board like federal provincial and city government thank you ian minute 30 seconds to yourself whenever you're ready okay yeah it's uh, it's difficult for the city to directly to do a lot of that work simply because it's within the provincial and federal uh, jurisdiction a lot of things you'd want to do like increase employment and one of the big things i would want to do is to diversify the education available if you're going to university of calgary there's a kind of a strong push towards you learning and you're going to engineering especially there's a pretty strong push just in, in view of how many classes are available on things related to the oil and gas industry for example and not that many related to some of the other industries um, that's outside of the city's purview what the city can do is do things like uh, create uh, internship programs that help uh, youth get jobs um, for uh, with local companies um, the diversification of the economy itself would do that. Uh, a lot of a lot of kids, my kids' age, don't want to work in the oil and gas. They 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 have uh, objections to it because they're they're completely convinced that green energy is the way to go. Um, the third thing we need to do is uh, increase the affordability of housing and the cost of living. They're broke, and you, they can't they can't do what I did when I was younger is just buy a house and and start off living. It's it's almost impossible to do that now um, and uh, finally as part of that uh, creating a, a stimulating environment to live arts and entertainment nightlife all of that uh, the kinds of things that people that age range really want and uh, need in order to feel uh, fulfilled thank you jasmine a minute and 30 seconds to yourself whenever you're ready Thanks. I, I think Ian was really starting to hit on it towards the end there. I don't think youth are asking for a lot. Um, they're asking for transit that works and ability to get around a, a government that understands that there's a climate crisis is going to take action on that uh, because that's something that they're going to inherit. A downtown that's a fun place to be, have have concerts, great restaurants uh, with, with jobs for them in, in tourism and in business. Uh, that's why we need the downtown revitalization so badly. I'm very supportive of the downtown strategy. In terms of what we can do for youth engagement, we play a lot of lip service to youth engagement, but we haven't really seen enough tangible action on this. And uh, at the city of Calgary, the mayor has a mayor's youth council. And it's uh, it's for children, or sorry, youth who are 17 and under. And um, it's run through Youth Central, which is a nonprofit organization. 
but they meet with the mayor once a year. They don't really have any power. Um, they can kind of talk to the mayor at, at a breakfast and, and have a conversation. But if you look at Edmonton, they have a youth advisory co uh, committee and it's an actual formalized body. It's for anyone under the age of 25. They actually have a budget and they get to weigh in on things. And I think that that's what we need to be doing in Calgary, especially around files that are utilized so much by youth, including transit. Thank you. Gabir, minute and 30 seconds to yourself whenever you're ready. Thanks, Chris. You know, um, I really come back to the reason why I moved to Calgary only 10 years ago. And that was really for one thing, that was opportunity. And that's really what makes Calgary special and, and really different from other Canadian cities. This place offers advanced opportunity. I just fast forward 10 years and, and the opportunity does not exist like it did from when I came here. You know, and speaking to our youth, we have to really understand what their desires are because as Jasmine said, they're going to inherit the city one day. You know, they want to live in a desirable city. They want to live in a green city with a low carbon footprint. They want materials to be locally sourced, not be shipped halfway across the world. Um, they want the environment, the environment to be a key consideration in when we, in, as we grow. Uh, they want our youth, our generation uh, wants things to be quick, efficient, and convenient uh, uh, at, the, at the forefront. Things have to be easy, they have to be quick, and they have to move fast. And people want an affordable city. People want a place to live, have affordable rents. Uh, if they want to buy, the, uh, the housing needs to be affordable. But also one of the biggest things is we need to build an amenity-rich and a lively city. And that's really what city council's role is in, in all this, in building a desirable city that has plenty of opportunities so it can truly be an option for our youth should they choose to want to stay and live in Calgary. Thank you. Nate, a minute and 30 seconds to yourself whenever you're ready. Uh, well, there's a lot to unpack here, um, but I want to start with, I think that the biggest thing that we need to do uh, in regards to keeping youth in Calgary is listening to what their actual concerns are. That's something that I've spent a lot of time uh, doing throughout my campaign in particular. One of the, the things, this hurts a little bit to admit, but uh, over half of my campaign team who are volunteers uh, are also half my age. Uh, and that stings a bit, but it's also a big point of pride because what it says to me and, and what it's given me the opportunity to do is do exactly that, which is, which is listen. And fundamentally, the one thing that I keep hearing over and over and over again from the people who are looking at leaving Calgary, it has nothing to do with cost of living because nobody moves from Calgary to Vancouver if they're looking for a better cost of living. That's just not how the math works at all. What they keep telling me is that they don't feel represented uh, by the city. They don't feel like the culture of the city represents them. They feel like Calgary is a city that's clinging to the past. And that's why I say more than anything, we need to make sure that the next city council is made up of people who are willing to actively and actually listen to what the concerns of the youth are and drive that cultural change rather than trying to cling to the past because a YouTube video told them to. Thank you. And Brent, a minute and 30 seconds to yourself whenever you are ready. Hi there. Um, youth. Uh, oh my, I have three kids and they're 35 plus and I got six grandchildren and I'm nervous about what's going to happen for my grandkids. Uh, my kids have jobs. Uh, my middle son's an electrician and he's having difficulty. However, to retain them, you need to have jobs. And if we keep going down the path we're going and destroying our natural resources where we can't even mine them, uh, we won't have jobs. 
and, and it's a proven fact that you get all tourism jobs pay $12 an hour. Can't buy a house with that. So it's 40 billion opportunities. Um, when I was elected in 93, I started a commission of youth and we met every month. And I listened to them and we had an agenda and they made recommendations to council. And uh, this, was a, this was a great tool and, and you could help them understand uh, what council does and, and, and how the process works. You know? uh, but also people need to move to learn. So yeah, you get an internship and uh, you do some lot of mentoring, which is very, very good. And then moving, you learn your job way better because now you're supposed to be the expert. And as a trades person, a person told me a long time ago that you're not going to start learning your trade until you lose, move. And I tell you, when I got my first job away from the pulp mill I was at, um, I need to know my stuff, man. How do you adjust the bearing? How do you, you know, how much clearance is there? Thank you. Uh, 30 seconds for follow-up rebuttal. Uh, hey, me, hey, 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 you, sorry. Uh, 30 seconds to yourself whenever you're ready. Hi, Chris. Uh, so as we said earlier, like, you know, the main reason for leaving the youth is like, you know, related to their career, like careers is the most important, single important thing. That's why they are leaving. They are not leaving for cost or leaving uh, because other part of the Canada's are expensive, like the big cities like Vancouver and uh, Toronto. So best thing we can do, like, you know, time is short. The best thing we can do, there's a correlation between the leaving the city and the job prospects, right? So, and uh, we need to like, you know, focus on the creating the job in the city to retain them. Thank you. Ian, 30 seconds to yourself whenever you're ready. Yeah, I'm forced to acknowledge that um, we are, a, as a group, a bunch of people who are not youth, and we're all discussing what youth want and need. Um, and, uh, you know, we, sh we should, one of the most important things we can do is ask them, and not just ask one of them, because each of them have different things. Somebody who donates time to a, a political campaign is going to be completely different than somebody who um, spends time playing basketball. So we need to, I, I think that uh, the idea of a youth council committee is an excellent idea, and I'd like to explore that further. Thank you so much. Jasmine, 30 seconds to yourself whenever you're ready. I, th I think we need to elect younger people to council. Um, I think we need to make space for, for youth on city commissions. Um, we don't have enough representation from, from folks in that 18 to 35 year old range. Um, millennials at, are also um, you know, disrupting every industry. And I think it's time that they disrupt government as well. 86% of Calgarians aged 18 to 24 are worried about climate change. And if you care about what you think, you should have a climate platform. And, and many candidates don't, and I think it's important. Here, 30 seconds to yourself whenever you're ready. Our youth are our future leaders. We have to listen to them and we have to build a city that they can inherit. At the beginning of my campaign, I said that if anything comes out of this, I really want to make a difference in people's lives. And I took it upon myself to take on two youth uh, who, are, who are at MRU, Mount Royal University, who are undergraduates in political science, and they are two key members of my campaign team. And I have brought them along the way in, in passing knowledge, but also assisting me in this campaign. You know, um, we, need to, we need to take control of our future and we need to elect people who, who understand the, what our youth need in moving forward. Thank you. Nate, 30 seconds to yourself whenever you're ready. 
I just want to echo a little bit what Jasmine said there about the climate change piece, because after the the concerns that I've heard from the youth that I've had the, the privilege of interacting with being simply that Calgary doesn't represent them overwhelmingly, the, the second biggest concern is, is climate change. And I think that city of Calgary has done some very good things that should be celebrated much better. I think that NMAX committing to net zero is a, a huge thing that needs to be celebrated. And those are the things that we need to be talking about a lot more in order to help make sure that kids know that this city does represent them and it does have a future for them. Thank you. And Brent, the last 30 seconds on this topic to yourself, whenever you're ready. Uh, I'll give you a story about my wife. She has her master's in, in education, of uh, English and French, and she's a school teacher, principal. And like I say, she tries to teach me every day. Um, but she had to travel outside of the province and outside the country to get the type of education she wants. So we need to work hard to improve the curriculum and get it updated so that people don't need to leave to get their education. And this is a, a key point that, that needs to be addressed. Thank you. Okay. That was the last prepared topic question. We are a minute, an hour and 45 minutes into this. Uh, we can go to closing statements or we can go to a one minute and 30 seconds question uh, and only question, no rebuttal on budget. Is that okay with everyone? A minute and 30 seconds on budget. If not, we will go to closing statements. Can I get a- Let's do budget. Not, let's do budget. Is everyone okay with doing budget? And we will start with Ian on this one, if that's okay. So the question is the biggest, sorry, I just want to make sure I get the right question here. There we go. The first thing that the next council will have to address is budget. What are your views to ensure that the cost of living does not outpace the rise in taxes and the rise of job opportunities within the city? Ian, budget, how do you see the budget and how do you plan on ensuring that the cost of living doesn't outpace job opportunities? Whenever you're ready, well, a minute and 30 seconds. Okay, well, uh, over the last 10 years, uh, taxes, uh, residential taxes have skyrocketed um, as, as well as uh, commercial taxes. Um, so uh, we need to first and foremost stabilize our taxes. Uh, right now, uh, in the past, uh, business paid 65% of taxes, um, and now businesses pay 48% taxes. I think it should be just a nice 50-50 balance between them. We should focus on making sure that we don't suddenly bring in these new formulas that dramatically change the tax uh, all the time, because a lot of businesses would be happier to pay a slightly higher tax if they knew it was going to be consistent, rather than having to deal with high tax, low tax, high tax, low, low tax all the time. It's hard to plan your business that way. Um, so stabilizing the uh, budget, um, and preferably through uh, using a what's called a priority-based priority budget approach, uh, which is uh, very good at getting uh, identifying and getting rid of waste um, and keeping budgets low. Um, so actually, th that's it. Priority-based budgeting and stabilize your taxes. Perfect. Jasmine, budget, biggest priority. How do you envision making sure that it doesn't affect the cost of living whenever you're ready? 
So I think, you know, when we when we talk about the budget and, and rising taxes in Calgary, we have to acknowledge that we have faced an economic disaster here. I mean, we what has happened to, to the downtown and, and the literally tax base going up into thin air um, while I I may not agree with with every decision that council has made. I, I don't put that squarely on them. Um, that is uh, a very unfortunate thing. And then we've had to be, get, get really creative about how we're going to deal with that. Um, it's not easy to deal with. There's no simple answers to, um, you know, billions of dollars of tax base leaving. And uh, we have a city that how are we going to finance it now? Uh, I hear a lot of candidates talking about how we need to do a forensic audit of, of city of the city and figure out how we're going to save money. It's spending $4 to save one. The way that you save money at an organization like the city of Calgary is questioning the larger scales assumptions that administration is going to bring you on things. They expect growth in, of a certain amount in an area. Okay. If, do those numbers make sense? And if they don't, and there turns out that there's more money there, how do we make sure we sequester that money so that can, it can go towards projects that really matter and make a difference for people. I think that's what we need to be focusing on. Um, and uh, the commitment, I mean, I, Ian, it's very common in other, almost every other jurisdiction that, you know, your, your residential tax base does hold more of that burden than your commercial side. Our commercial side has absolutely been slammed. And I, and I think that it's, this is a readjustment that we're seeing. And uh, I think as, as much as possible, we have to hold the line for people. There's many people out of work, um, but it's not an easy answer. Thank you. Next, Kabir, whenever you're ready. Yep. Thanks, Chris. Recovering Calgary begins in downtown, and there is a gaping hole in our downtown that's not going to be fixed overnight. We have one third of our towers sitting empty, and it's going to take significant investment in the city of Calgary to get those towers back on track and really get those highest valued properties in the city to highest and best use. And council, the current council faced a huge, huge issue last year in, in, in having to displace some of that tax burden onto businesses and residences outside of the core. And we really, as a council, need to really do our part to get our downtown back on track, whether it be revitalizing it, making it a destination, you know, converting some of those towers to residential. Calgary has the highest uh, office space per capita in, in North America. Think about that more than New York City. You know, we have to control our spending. We have to be sure that we're investing and spending money in the issues that matter most and that have the most return on investment, whether it be a short, medium, or long-term, really make good, well-thought-out decisions. But the biggest thing that we can do that we did really well in Rocky County is build up our tax base, our commercial industrial properties in particular. You know, having a bigger tax base allows you to, 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 to spread more dollars towards it. Legally, the, they're, they are able to bear more of a tax burden as they're able to pass that cost down in goods and services sold. Also, things we can do is maximize our revenue sources, whether it be our user fees, whether it be our investment sources, what we do with the NMAX and you know, the, the dividend that we receive there as well. So there are a few ways to look at the budget. The budget will be the first big thing that this council, whoever is elected, will be facing as Calgary has a one budget cycle, which runs in a four-year process. We're really going to have to really get that right and understand which, which initiatives we consider to be core. Thank you. Next, we will go to Nate. Nate, whenever you're ready. So there's a, a, a lot to talk about here. I, I like Ian's mentioning the priority-based budgeting. Uh, I've been an advocate of that for quite some time as well. And I think that it's a really good way in conjunction with zero-based budgeting to make sure that we are addressing areas that need to be addressed when they need to be addressed. 
Um, the latest information from the city of Calgary that I've seen says that we have about a year before we have to look at uh, reevaluating our, our tax system. And I think that there's a lot that we can do in that year, because one of the things that I have heard from a lot of residents is that they don't want to see property taxes raised. There's a lot of information that actually suggests that there are a lot of people across Calgary who are okay with a, a, a modest increase in property taxes. But what I've committed to is that I will absolutely not vote for any increase in property taxes until we've had a conversation with the province about how much of the revenue that they actually claw back from our overall property taxes. Um, somebody mentioned the forensic audit piece. Uh, the only reason to do a forensic audit of Calgary's finances right now is because we are determined to waste more money, not save it. We just completed a forensic audit in the city of Calgary and the city of Calgary actually identified over hundred million dollars in savings that they have started to implement. So we have to can absolutely continue that work and continue that work of, of making sure that we follow through on those savings. And that's a big part of what priority-based budgeting and zero-based budgeting will accomplish. Thank you, Nate. Brent, minute and 30 seconds to yourself. Uh, uh, first, if, if uh, candidates want to go and claw back 1% for the province, where is the money going to come from? It's coming from health care, social services, and education. So we need to get off that track. And, and first of all, we need to do is, is make it easy to do business in Calgary. Right now, it's a pain in the butt, and it's expensive, and our taxes are two or three times past um, what uh, Rocky Views is, and so we need to get more competitive. That's why everyone's moving there, because the taxes are too high, and the bureaucracy. When you do a forensic audit is when you think someone's stealing, by the way. We need to do a cost analysis audit of operations and costs, and and this is where the bureaucracy comes in. And if people knocked on a lot of doors, and uh, I've knocked on many, and I've talked to lots of different people, is that uh, they are, are managers managing managers. And uh, as an experienced manager, an efficiency expert, I've managed budgets. And I've gone through them. And, uh, and I've gone through the policies and processes and, and to try and uh, mitigate and get things more efficient. And, and but people keep doing, they keep saying all these nice fluffy things uh, and, and they're not providing any solutions. So a cost analysis budget inside, not the surface one. That's what they did. They did the, a surface audit, not an internal one. They need to see what the departments are doing. Get into the granular. Thank you. And last uh, is Hamayu, whenever you're ready, a minute and 30 seconds. Uh, Budgeting is a important issue for the city, but as as per law, like you know, they cannot run into the deficit, and I'll, that's why they are like you know they're increasing the like you know the property taxes, and half of the downtown is empty. So the only way they find to get the increase the taxes, and like when the other like you know the revenue streams are not there. But thing is like you know the in my view, like you know the years and year decades of like you know the privatization privatization causes like you know the, the we need to re-evaluate the whole process how we city award the contracts i know they the forensic audits and these things not gonna do anything because like you know that they like all those contracts are like you know the awarded to the different private companies or whoever like you know they are like you know they are according to the law but that's not gonna change we need to change the like you know the out of the box we need to like you know the nmax is an example like it's a city-owned company and making the 
lot of money for the city. So why we cannot city run the other, like, you know, they're 13 to 14,000 employees, why they cannot run the core services themselves. And like, you know, the rather than like, you know, the passing the like you know, taxes to the ordinary working class every year. So we like, you know, the ordinary working class, they are not making that much money. So pay that higher taxes every year. Right now you keep the this tax level or decrease this because they got the like, you know, the, the under the, um, like in you know, $98 million saving last year. So like, you know, people, ordinary people should not be punished for that. Like, you know, the tax hikes every year. So they need to reevaluate the, the, the way they Thank conduct their so business. Much. Okay. Candidates. We are now into the closing statements. Closing statements will be in alphabetical order, but this time reversed. They will be two minutes in length and we will be starting with Brent. Before you start, Brent, I will ask everyone, all candidates who are on this still, and for those who are watching, and for those who seem to, even if you say it, they'll reach out to me right afterwards, please tell people how they can contact you. Because they all come to me afterwards and say, how can I contact Brent? How can I contact Nate? How can I contact Ian, Jasmine, Gabir? Hey, may you? So please tell people how they can contact you. So Brent, two minutes to yourself whenever you're ready. Hi. Okay. So first of all, um, economic recovery um, and social issues, economic recovery and, and taking care of the economic component of, of the city is very, very important. And it's key to turning it around. And yes, there's diversification in it. And, and uh, I think we're all well on our way. And, uh, you know, but we have to go into some tax reform, you know, incentives for business and entrepreneurs, but First of all, we need to take care of the businesses that we have and then provide some incentives for other people and uh, maybe incentives for those businesses to actually even stay open. Uh, but tax reform is, is a top one and tax is, is just a byproduct of bad decisions and, and poor priorities. You know, um, transportation, the green line, uh, <laughs> this word needs to be serviced. And uh, whether it's the blue line comes around, the green line comes up, uh, makes no difference to me, but the BRT needs to go in and needs to be cross-sectioned so people can get into every single direction. And it needs to happen right quick. Um, neighborhood safety. I, I've knocked on 19,000 doors this year alone. Um, and I've run into quite a few officers and, and some retired ones. And, and the police service is trying to be accommodating for some people. And therefore, there's not as many people on at nighttime. And therefore, that's when a lot of crime happens. And so we need to go and look at, at those, those uh, at the numbers. Um, in education, mental health for youth, and I'm almost out of time, I don't know. Anyways, volunteerism, and at the end of the day, you need to have a skill set. You need to have experience to do the job. If you haven't done the job before in budget, did large budgets and manage them, it'll be very, very difficult, if almost impossible. It will take you two years to figure it out. You know, um, we have an opportunity for real change and change that matters. Uh, you can contact me at btward3yyc.ca to learn more. Thank you, Brent. Nate, two minutes to yourself whenever you're ready. I just want to quickly talk about the broader themes uh, that I think are really important in this campaign. And then I have two things that I was asked to, to bring up. And if since I was asked, I'm going to do it. So thing number one, fundamentally, this campaign is about uh, this election should be about trust and it should be about leadership. 
because the number one problem that we have, and I believe that if we take a look at a lot of the problems that we've seen over the last year, stems from the fact that people don't believe that they can trust their elected officials. And that's a big problem because when people don't believe in the underlying structures of democracy, the whole system falls apart quite quickly. So we need to make sure that we're addressing that. And part of that has to come from how people conduct themselves, not only while they're in office, but I also believe that a campaign is ultimately a job interview. And that's where people have the opportunity to show how they're going to behave. For that reason, I'm going to bring up two two points that I've been asked to bring forward to all of the candidates from some people in the community and how everybody chooses to respond to it up is up to them. The first thing that I've heard from a few people is there's a lot of frustration in regards to people not following COVID restrictions. Um, the reality is, is even for outdoor events, we're supposed to have two meters of social distance. And there are a lot of people who are very frustrated that those rules aren't being followed. Uh, And they should be followed because if we can't follow the basic rules ourselves, we have no business asking anyone else to follow us. The second piece that was asked uh, of me to bring up has to do with the absolutely ludicrous amount of illegal signage that we have up right now. It is offensive, quite frankly. Uh, I would ask every candidate to please refer to the bylaws because signs aren't supposed to be allowed in playground zones. They're not supposed to be in intersections. And there are prohibited roadways that we're not supposed to be putting signs up. And when you demonstrate by putting signs up in any of those places, you're saying that you're already above the rules. And that sets an incredibly dangerous precedent for any kind of ongoing conversation. You can find me at nate at natepike.ca or on Twitter at nate. Thank you, Nate. Kabir, two minutes to yourself whenever you're ready. Well, I'd like to begin by saying thank you, you, Chris Brown, for uh, hosting us today and uh, the Cross Border Podcast for putting us on. Thank you very much and giving our viewers an uh, opportunity to hear us out. So thank you, Chris. This is the most important election in a generation, full stop. Calgary, let's get it right. You know, let's get the right people in uh, in these roles. Two-thirds of our councils are going to turn over. We need people with a background, experience, life experience, but more so, more importantly, with leadership, a solutions-driven approach and influence, because that's what we need um, to move our ward forward. That's what we need to move our city forward. We need people with new approaches. We need new ideas. We need, we, there are modern-day issues that need, that need modern-day solutions, and, and let's elect people who provide them. That's what I do best. We need people who have perspective, who are compassionate, people who have the ability to see uh, from the perspective of, of others. You know, um, I've worked, this has been an incredible campaign. This has been a lot of work. As any of the candidates running here can probably can attest to, running a campaign is very difficult. And I really hope that I have been able to convince you that I'm the right choice here for Ward 3, that I'm the right choice here for Calgary. Because we need our generation to step up and take control of our future. And that's precisely what I'm doing with this campaign. Um, a contact information for me, you can reach me on my website at www.kabirward3.ca. You can email me at kabir uh, at kabirward3.ca. You can also reach out to me on any social media platform at kabirward3. Again, to our listeners, if you're still listening after out almost two hours of this, thank you. And please go out and vote. It is the most important thing that you can do, and it is your superpower. Thank you, guys, and have a great night. Thank you, Jasmine. Two minutes to yourself whenever you're ready. 
Well, thank you. And I, I think Gerbier said it so, so well. I thank you to everyone who has, has tuned in. And I, I said this in the last debate, if you're watching this, you represent some of the most engaged people that we have in this city. And we need you right now. We need this level of engagement and this passion. And, and the fact that you have so many great candidates to choose from, I think is something that Ward 3 deserves. Um, I, I believe this is a very critical time for, for Calgary and, uh, you know, we've spoke so much tonight about collaboration, and I, I really think uh, when you're selecting your candidate to to think about who, who could work well with others and, and who can be part of this team of 15 people that's going to help us navigate into the next chapter, who can bring that different perspective and who will communicate back with you about, about what we're learning. I mean, any of us will admit we don't know everything there is to know about the city. There's so much to know, uh, but I want to bring you along on this journey to City Hall. I want to take you with me. I want to show you everything we're learning, what we're doing, and I think that we have actually so much to be proud of in Calgary. And I want to be part of showcasing that and, and bringing your voices to City Hall. I do want to take a moment to thank all my family, friends, and supporters, including my donors. I know that there are some folks who uh, are interested in seeing who has funded my campaign. It's largely my family and friends, so you can see the full list on my donation page. I do think that's important. I also do want to take a moment to acknowledge that I was endorsed by a third-party advertiser, which is union-backed. And this is because unions and I agree on one very important thing, which is that I do not think that the key to moving Calgary and Ward 3 forward is through cutting city jobs. I I think we have a huge service and infrastructure deficit in Ward 3. My main goal is to correct that. I've spoken to so many of you at the doors, and I feel that you've given me a very clear mandate there. And I need our bylaw officers. I need the folks in transportation and planning and our roads workers. That's why I've received the endorsement. And contrary to what people will lead you to believe, you can't take money from PACs. You can um, follow me on um, Twitter and Instagram. You can also reach out to me at Jasmine. Uh, for, at jasmine at jasmine for ward3.ca. Thank you. And uh, Ian, two minutes to yourself whenever you're ready. I've changed my name on this to my contact information, so you can get it right off that screen there. Um, I've lived here for 27 years. I'm an advocate, an ally, an entrepreneur, a husband, and a father. My commitment to the community is deep. Uh, as I mentioned before, I founded the Night Market North. I helped small businesses through Northern Hills Connect. And until recently, I was the president of the Northern Hills Community Association, uh, a position that allowed me to help a great number of people here in the community. Um, while considering who to choose as your next counselor, Asked where they've been before this election. Did they just appear out of the woodwork when the election was called? Or have they been here contributing to the community all along, even when there wasn't a paycheck involved? In addition to 38 years of nonprofit experience, I've got 24 years of experience as business owner, executive, and board member, with many years of experience working with governments and corporate bureaucracies at all levels. My name is Ian McCannern. Like many of you, I'm a moderate who's fiscally conservative and socially progressive. I'm tired of a dysfunctional city hall and inefficient administration. I'm worried about roads that go uncleared and dangerous streets. I'm concerned about climate change and want to do my part. I care about helping people in need. I want Calgary to be business and employee friendly. I need to know where my tax money is being spent, and I want to make sure it's going to where it needs to be. And of course, I love Calgary and the people in it. I just want the city to do better. If you believe that you consider experience, education, proven commitment to the community, and thoughtful position on issues, you'll choose to elect me, Ian McCannern, as your new Ward 3 Councilor this fall. Thanks very much. 
Thank you. And the last closing statement is, is for Himeyu. Uh, Himeyu, uh, two minutes to yourself whenever you're ready. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Chris, uh, hosting us today. And it's a pleasure, like, you know, to, uh, to on board with other fellow candidates. Uh, thank you very much for the community people who put the question forwards, like, you know, the, uh, throughout my campaign, I was do, during the door knocking, I'm meeting the community people, like, you know, the, I realized one thing, like, you know, the people of War 3 are very informative, like, you know, they take, like, uh, sometimes it's, talk to you and on the different issues for like, you know, the good amount of time, like, you know, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, and you stay there and like, you know, listen to them, like, you know, uh, the, as all of the, all of the people are saying right now, like, you know, this is a very, like, you know, unique election because of the pandemic things and the most of the, like, you know, the previous candidates are running, either running for the, especially from over what the current council is running for the mayor and all of the guys are like, you know, the, trying to be elected and like you know that they want to serve the community better but what what i would say like you know the the best the way like you know to exercise, exercise your democratic right is the vote like you know go and vote on 18th of october right if you can do b before that like you know advanced voting is already uh, underway so so vote like you know whoever you think is a better candidate for me like you know as I present myself like I have a like you know the experience uh, what I would say like in the with the working with the international companies like you know the, I have a two master degrees at as I already said like in IT and the international business management and uh, again I will like you know the thank you Ari Thank you very much, all of the candidates. Like you are, you are doing like you are a bit to like get elected. And uh, thank you very much, Chris. Again, yeah, it's pleasure to you know to be with you for uh, like two three hours now. And uh, yeah, thank you very much. And all of you have a good good night. Thank you. Okay, I'm just gonna jump back on here for a second. I want to thank the candidates for doing this tonight, taking time out of your busy schedule and actually sitting down for longer than the hour and a half that we originally scheduled, but it's gl I'm glad to have an exchange of ideas. But I also want to take a moment and thank you, the uh, uh, viewers who have been watching this and those who have been listening to this at a later date. Um, democracy can only happen without uh, you, the voters, but also the candidates who are running. As I've stated on my show and in previous forms, take 90 minutes out of your day tomorrow, out of your day this week, out of your day before October 18th. Sit down and learn about the candidates for mayor, for councillor, for school board, for Senate, and the issues around the plebiscides. Vote, vote, vote. Voting is currently underway. It started yesterday and it runs until October 10th, advanced voting. And then election day is October 18th, which is Monday. We will be back here tomorrow night, seven, eight o'clock actually tomorrow night with Ward 5 candidates for city the city of Calgary. I wanna thank everyone for tuning in, for uh, doing this once again, have yourself a safe, and wonderful rest of your Tuesday afternoon. Thank you and goodbye. <laughs>